Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. The bicycle is the perfect transducer to man to match man's metabolic energy to the impedance of locomotion. Equipped with this tool, man outstrips the efficiency of not only all machines, but all other animals as well. Yes, you're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here at 3CR, the road to somewhere. Many thanks to Amy Goodman and Democracy Now. Um, Great show as always. We've got a uh, bit of a good show today, post-election. I'm not sure I'm going to call it, actually. It's post-election anyway. We're going to have a look at some of the seats that have uh, moved around and we're going to have a a little bit of an in-depth as much as you can in half an hour on what it means for cyclists in Melbourne. So joining me on the show today is Nick Dow from uh, Melbourne Bug. Good morning, Nick. Hi, Val. Faith is, uh, can't be with us today. She's doing a, one of our uh, tours over in South Australia, the Lavender Tour, actually, I think. So we'll listen to a ride report when we get back, when Faith gets back from South Australia, which I'm sure will be interesting. She sent me a picture the other day of her pushing the bike up the hill, so it looked like a little bit of hard work. <laughs> Nick, you've been on the show before, you know that. You've uh, got a new guest to uh, introduce Yarrabug listeners to. Yeah, we've got a third bike rider in the room, but she won't be saying anything. That's Nyla, the dog. And who, uh, if many people remember Nick, uh, Ned was a long-standing cyclist too of the canine world. So, Nick, a bicycle moment to share with us. Well, you really have to talk about uh, riding through water <laughs> because we've been doing a lot of that. I mean, what, you know, um, and Nyla's very important there because she's usually ahead. And if she won't cross it, then I won't cross it. But when she does, I can see how deep it is. 
yeah. by watching her. So that's very useful. And the trick is to get a bit of speed up so you don't have to pedal because that's when you get your feet wet and you just get through. And on a bike, you know, bikes don't float away like cars. <laughs> but I wouldn't recommend it if it's um, you know, going to be up to your bottom bracket. No, it's not much fun. Poor old Marla. <laughs> oh, she loves the water. Yeah, of course. Um, look, I it, um, my bike moment for the last couple of weeks has been that um, incidental coincidence that happens to be critical mass. Um, so this was a ride the Friday, uh, last Friday week, um, and it was very well attended. You've got a rough idea of the number, Nick? Would oh, you I would have, have guess? guessed several hundred people, which is quite good. Yeah. Um, towards 300 or 250, 300, somewhere around there, I would have thought. Very interesting ride. Um, great to see a group of people riding along together. Um, a lot of people said to me, actually, they would have thought at some stage they would never experience that feeling of riding around Melbourne surrounded by 200 bikes. It virtually... I personally thought myself I'd never it'd never happen again, but lo and behold, up it pops. It's been rebirthed really by the bugs. Yep, and it's being run more occasionally, and it's being run around a local issue. So it's it's got a different sort of point to it than the old critical mass. It's yep. great to see it coming back in a new form. And I presume Sydney Road was part of that. Um Reason Sydney Road was the focus of, of that ride, absolutely. And we're going to talk about Sydney Road in relation to the election. Yes, we will. So let's move on to a little bit of news. Um, we're getting a little bit used to this. Um, Glen Arab Council, what's going on? Yes, well, they caved in, um, you know, as did Port Phillip Council before them, to the vocal minority. There's no leadership there. You, if you want to change things, you have to break a few eggs to make an omelette. Can we just be tri- backtracked? A bit on this, Nick, and just go back to the origins of it. So, Inkerman Street. I know that I don't want to go back 20 years. No, but yeah. no Inkerman Street was proposed as a bike route, basically. Yeah. You know, they've been trying to design it without upsetting too many people, and they were talking about a two way bike lane so that they could keep more parking, but still, that wasn't enough to satisfy the car drivers who cannot comprehend any idea of change. Um, or letting anyone else have a go on the roads. And so it was basically the councillors voted it down because there was a lot of vocal, there's some vocal opposition. That's uh, pretty much the story, and it's a story around Melbourne. It's one of the reasons why the state government doesn't even spend the pathetic bike budget that it has, because they can't find projects that they're willing to stick their head out enough to do. Yeah. The, um, what, does that make much difference to Port Phillip? I mean, one of their through runs. You know, in Kimmon Street, is one of the feeders to St Kilda Road, which we're yeah. going to also talk about later. And um, so, you know, we're getting really these really good bike lanes in St Kilda Road, but how do you get there? Um, and there's just no east-west routes. Um, it's massively important. The um, what um, this has happened a fair bit is it, what's a, what do you think's behind it? Well, as I said, you. you get, People who drive cars just think bikes are a nuisance. Um, they don't care about the carbon emissions. They don't care about the danger they create or anything else. They just care about themselves. And they get very vocal and upset about it. Now, sometimes the bike lobby gets very vocal. And, you know, like when uh, there were over a 1,000 submissions to the city of Melbourne uh, when they said they were going to pause the bike lane rollout there. 
and that's what we need to do. That's really that's really where it's at. And um, we need to work on getting better elected representatives, particularly in the city of Port Phillip, where some absolute petrol heads got elected last time. Um, and we need to get out there and support these projects yeah. at council meetings. They, um, it seems to be it's a, it's sort of like I'm going to say arms race. It's quite peculiar, actually, isn't it? Um, how do you mean arms race? The these fights. Um, look, we all know that sometimes you take two steps forward and one step back. Um, and I suppose because we're just in the middle of this, the the backlash looks, to you and I, um, nonsensical in a way, as I'd put it, certainly without an eye to the future. Um, I just I think there's some sort of... Um, well, um, this is vast generalisation. Um it's as if it's, you know, shouting and completely um, shutting down any sort of change has become a mantra. Yeah, but in the city of Melbourne, so I mentioned there's a pause. Yeah. <clears throat> that actually is driven by State Department of Transport not issuing any permissions. And they've been, one, they've been issuing wonderful stuff that we never dreamt of getting, like, you know, Peel Street, bike lanes and so on. And suddenly the year before the election, they stopped which we'll talk about later, basically we've got an anti-bike government. So the pause wasn't of the City of Melbourne's making. And the the City of Melbourne, with its Lord Mayor, Sally Cap, has been willing to face up to that sort of opposition. Yeah. And they've said, no, we're going to have these bike lanes. And there's been the same sort of petrolhead opposition to them, but they've stuck to their guns. Yeah. And that's what we need. It takes leadership. And once those lanes are in and people get used to them and they function well, yeah, the support for them grows, and people couldn't dream of pulling them pulling out. them out. Uh, is this a? Um, I'm not sure about the demographics down at Glenira, but I would presume there's a fair bit of nimsyism going on about this as well. Look, even our inner suburbs are pretty car based. You go to Richmond; it's wall to wall cars. Uh, um, the city of Yarra has got a majority of green councillors, but progress on bi- any sort of bike lanes is very, very slow because, you know, they're a bit scared to do anything much, really. Um, it's really hard to change the status quo. People depend on their cars and they can't imagine the alternative. We have yeah. to, it takes leadership, it takes political courage and it takes support from us. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, moving on from there to the to the state election and, and I've mentioned the Killer <laughs> Road bike lanes. Not too quick, not too quick. Come on. Um, There's still seven seats in doubt, Nick. <laughs> no, there are, but it's, yeah. Um, yeah, we don't know how some of them are going to turn out, but um, still the big messages are, are already clear. Because um, you you know you mentioned Porfilabag, St Kilda Road, Inkerman Road feeds into that. Yeah. So our current treasurer Tim Pallas is one of that s- yep. small number of powerful men that run, and they are all men that run the Victorian government. There's a few, of, there's three or four of them. A bit over ten years ago, the City of Melbourne's master plan was leaked before it was ready, and Tim Pallas was then the roads minister. And he was asked about protected bike lanes that were in the city of Melbourne's master plan. And he said, no way. Yep. My job is to prevent congestion, not cause it. Something like that. He's now the treasurer. He's one of those powerful people running the government. Fast forward about six or so years, the city of Port Phillip got tired of waiting and did a study that said we should have protected bike lanes in St Kilda Road. And the Premier, Dan Andrews, said, quote, we'll be having none of that nonsense. This is an anti-bike government from the top down. We have to recognise that. Now, 
both of Dan's road ministers have actually been quietly pro-bike. They've done what they can in the context of an anti-bike government. And the current road, roads minister, uh, whose name escapes me... <laughs> um, I've got to say, Nick, I've... Uh, Which uh, is a shameful thing because he's done a great job. He's yep. he's pushed through he pushed through the Heidelberg Road lanes and they've kept them despite uh, that same right. yeah, type yeah, of opposition that true. we've been talking about. They've yep. stuck to their guns on that. So you know he's done what he can um, and he's done some good things. They're still having trouble spending that hundred million they promised about eight years ago. Um, so that's the situation with the government. And yet we got the St Kilda Road bike lane. So how did that happen in that context? Well, what happened was, before the last election, a bit over four years ago, all the bugs and bicycle network got together and decided to focus on St Kilda Road and to focus on the seat of Albert Park. And Port Phillip Bug went to see uh, Martin Foley, the member, and told him that the whole of the Victorian bike net, um, movement was going to be in his electorate before the election, campaigning against him. Simple as that. Now, two weeks later, St Kilda Road bike lanes were announced. Two years later, they were funded. And, and as you probably know, they're now being built um, and they're a very good standard of curbside bike lanes, world's best practice. And that's how it came about. Um, and the context of that is that Albert Park is a seat that's becoming more and more vulnerable to the Greens. You know, each election, the Greens vote increases. And this is, this is going on. We've we looked at the seat of Richmond changing hands. The seat of Northcote nearly changed hands, but it probably won't. That's very close. The seats of Preston and Pascoe Vale are now marginal. And so that green... Oh, and Footscray. So that, that green heartland is expanding, election by election. And um, the Labor Party held Albert Park at this election with a new candidate who's moved down from the upper house. She's been a vocal supporter of the St Kilda Road bike lanes and they held the seat easily. So in that trend of expanding green vote in the inner suburbs... Albert Park stands out as a Labor win. The Greens are nowhere near threatening that seat. They came third in Albert Park yeah. in, the, in the primary votes. And that's the story. Um, and I think it's a fantastic demonstration for the Labor Party that they are anti-bike at their peril, at least in, in that part of the city, in, in the inner suburbs. So that's that's the story of the election, really. Um now, in, in the seat of Pascoe Vale, you have an anti-bike bill who just doesn't get it. He's not even sensibly anti-bike, doesn't say anything sensible. Um, his seat is now marginal to the Greens. They came within a couple of percent of no. taking that seat at this election. And there's a lesson there for the Labor Party. They lost the seat of Brunswick at four years ago yeah. because they didn't implement the Sydney Road design that Vic Roads arrived at with a lot of consultation. They didn't implement Sydney Road design that was supported by the community in Vic Road's survey, and they lost the seat of Brunswick. Nick, can we just go back to what was the proposal for Sydney Road? Yeah, um, well, Sydney Road's a very different road to St Kilda Road. It's yeah. a lot narrower. It doesn't have service roads, side tracks. So the other thing that has to happen in Sydney Road, and the state government is now out of its deadline from the High Court to install... Uh, level access tram stops are right across Melbourne. Yeah. So I think we're in contempt of court or something. Um, but Sydney Road has to get level access tram stops. And the design that... Um, there's about four different designs of those. So in Bridge Road, you've got cars driving... And Victoria Street, you've got cars driving over the tram stop, yep. which is pretty bad. Uh, whereas in High Street, Northcote, 
you've got only bikes riding over the platforms, so ride over platforms. Yep. And that's the sort of design that we want for Sydney Road. And as soon as you get that, you can't have clearways anymore because you don't yes, have that, that left road. lane. Yeah. And um, the traders are very glad about not having clearways, but um, they're not too keen on bike lanes because they think that parking is important. But our proposal, our proposal, revitalised Sydney Road, revitalised Sydney Road's proposal, is to put a protected bike lane all the way up Sydney Road, um, right over tram platforms, wider footpath, um, which you get space for, and there's loads and loads of parking on all the side streets and behind the shops already, more yeah. than more than is needed. So there actually is no... Um, you know, people will still get a park who, who need to drive to Sydney Road. It really isn't a problem. That's been the proposal. And um, the, this government has just dug their heels in and refused it over and over again. Um, and it, when the Vic, the Vic Roads survey was uh, was done, and it wasn't released. Yeah. I had to, personally, I FOI'd that survey yeah. to get it. And um, that's why we know that the protected bike lanes had majority support in the community, not just the people who ride bikes, but overall majority support. And they didn't want to release that because they don't want to build it. Is the, the Vic Roads the only decision maker in Sydney Road? No, the um, city of um, Marybeck, as they're now called, is, yep. is um, it's actually a local road. Sydney Road is not uh, oh, an I arterial. I thought it was Vic Roads. Oh, hang on. You might be right there. Um, I'm jumping ahead of myself because during the, the co-design process that arrived at the Sydney Road design, um, Vic Road stated that they would, would be willing to turn it into a local road, if I think if I remember correctly. So, yeah, it probably is an arterial at the moment. Um, technic technically, once it's a local road, the council gets more of a role, but yeah. but Vic Road still has a role. They, can, they still have to approve any sort of major change. Yeah. So, you know, even in your little street outside your house... If the council does something that's considered major, Vic Roads has to actually approve it. That's, as I mentioned before, is what's holding up the bike lanes in the city of Melbourne. Yeah. Um, you know, on streets which are actually local streets controlled by the council, but they still need approval. Yeah. So um, the, the council, the Marybeck Council and before it the Moreland Council has again and again voted, usually, usually unanimously, in support of the protected bike lanes yeah. and the revitalised Sydney Road proposal. Um, so there's no problems from there. And they understand the parking issue and they are very happy to do what's necessary. Um, you know, put up signs to direct people to, to where they'll find a parking spot yeah. and so on. Um, so they're totally on side. It's just the Victorian government, um, which is just terrified of a backlash. Yeah. And they don't have show any signs of leadership on that. So this is all leading up to... So that's where we're at now. Um, we've got... Another marginal seat that's ready to fall at the next election. The big question is, will the member for Pascoe Vale decide to have a career and persuade the government to build the Sydney Road bike lanes? No. Or will they consign themselves to be a one-term member? And um, alongside of this, in this term of parliament, the Sky Rail is going in through Brunswick. It's going from Moreland Road all the way down to Royal Park. And while the sky rail is being built, and that takes a couple of years, yep. the upfield bike path will be closed. It will be closed. And we're told again and again that the upfield bike path is there, and that's Cheat why take. we don't need Sydney Road for bikes, yep. despite the fact that that's where all the destinations are and where you want to actually get to. Yep. Um, 
no, no, you can use the upfield path. The upfield path is very inadequate, yep. even as it is. And it's not going to be there for the next couple of years. No. So, you know, my, my feeling is that given, given that the way the election the elections work in the inner suburbs and, and what we've seen in St Kilda Road as a precedent and what's got to happen in Sydney Road, the next four years we need to, you know, focus on the Sydney Road. We need to focus on the seat of Pasco Vale. We need to make the member for Pasco Vale very aware that they have a choice as to whether they remain a member of parliament or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to be back. We're going to be back just after this, Matt, to keep going with this uh, train of thought because it's much worthwhile. Yarrabug would like to thank our sponsor, Vacro's Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics, and sells bikes to the local community. If you have a healthcare card, they'll give you a bike free of charge. To find out more, search for Vacro online or drop into the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Tuesday or Thursday. And you're back listening to Yarrabug Radio Show here on Radical Radio 3CR, podcasting, streaming it. All listening on the transistor in the kitchen. We're chatting to Nick Dow from Melbourne Bug. We're having a bit of a wrap of the um, the state election that happened on Saturday, and we're having a little bit of a dig into the demographic that change that's happening around the inner circle ring in Melbourne. And we're up to where are we up to, to Nick? Where well, Sydney you... Road is part of Pasco Vale. The top end of that is uh, yeah, so that electric comes into play next time. The state seat of Pasco Vale includes Sydney Road all the way down to Moreland Road, so all yep. of Coburg. Uh, it's definitely coming into play. And the demographic change um, that you mentioned is is driving a lot of this. Um, so what we're seeing is, um, well, you know, in Brunswick and in Footscray, all these apartment buildings are going up. And um, a lot of the people who live in those apartments don't have cars. They don't need a car. They don't want a car. Uh, this is a good thing according to every policy that we know about. Yep. Um, and um, that's that's partly what's, or mainly probably what's driving the rise in the Green vote. In, in the seat of Brunswick, there's been um, a huge transfer of industrial or commercial land to housing. To housing, yeah. um, It's really the heartland of the um, uh, Nightingale apartment movement where, where the architects design it and the real estate agents don't get a look in and the prices are lower, yeah. uh, and you actually have to win a ballot to get one of these apartments, and it's, and it's very competitive. A lot of people want them. Well, they don't have any car parking. Yeah. Um, so that's the wave that's changing the inner suburbs, and it's also increased the population density in Brunswick um, so that the seat of Brunswick had to get geographically smaller. It was getting too big, too many people. Ah, oh, yes, yep. To keep the electorates the same size. And so the seat of Pasco Vale has moved south. It's come all the way down uh, to Moreland Road at this I election. Didn't, I didn't realise that redistribution that yes. was so, there. As uh, well as the demographic change itself, there's also the realignment of electoral boundaries, which yeah. is making the inner suburbs uh, get more seats um, and the seats are moving towards the CBD. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's why Pasco Vale has become marginal, as well as just the rising tide of the green vote, um, as people see that just not enough is being done. Yeah. And the other thing is that I think... 
a lot of people are slowly waking up to the fact that if you've just got a binary choice between red and blue, it is a pretty awful choice. Yeah, the vote for the major parties um, hit its lowest ever at this election. I think it was 70%. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the teal independents in Hawthorne and Kew got very close. And I might, I might add in relation to those independents that they are very pro-bike. Um, we saw them coming out uh, to support the Box Hill to Hawthorne rail trail that runs between those two electorates. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah. And the Which photo lost again. Anyway, sorry, I didn't. Um, well, the 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 photo op, uh, the photo that we saw in the media of them supporting that was also attended um, by Monica, the federal independent who won the who kicked out Joss Frydenberg. Oh, ah, yeah. She was there to support the Hawthorne um, to Box Hill bike. Uh, bike as well. Now, yeah, there is some level crossing removal going on along that corridor, and they're not including bikes in it, so you'll get at grade crossings for bikes. Yep. Um, but the opportunity is still there. But it, it, they haven't taken the opportunity of the of the um, sky rail to to build it, um, and it needs to link up at the Hawthorne end. There needs to be a new bridge across the Yarra River for bikes. Where are they going to end it? Oh, they can't. Well, it, it'll probably well, it'll just link up. It'll be just a bit north of Swan Street, I think. Um, and that'll link up to your network of bike routes in the inner suburbs. Yeah. Um, remembering that at the other end of that of that trail at Box Hill, you've already got the Box Hill to Ringwood rail yeah. trail. Um, so you're starting to look at a, a, an a arterial. Connect. Yeah. Yep. But it also means that people can get to the shops in Box Hill or in Hawthorne. It means that people can get to the railway stations along the way. The railway stations as um, well. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 not about people riding from Ringwood to the city to get to work, but some no. will. Some will. But um, that's what it's for. So yeah, that was that was, and unfortunately, it looks like neither of those um, independents is going to get up. It looked hopeful in Hawthorne for a while, um, but the latest figures uh, have fallen a bit behind. So uh-huh. we probably won't see them in Parliament, unfortunately. Do you give much credence to the? Um, I mean, the baby boomer bulge is slowly moving moving its caravan towards its final destination, um, with the. Uh, now with the under 35s having a much more, although not as many, much more electoral clout than they used to have. Yeah, I mean, the, the millennial uh, age group is growing. Yeah. Um, they've become, for the first time, quite important in this election. Um, and they're part of that demographic change, um, which is which is driving the Green vote up and the independents vote up. Um, you know, the, the Greens are sort of a left-wing party. The, the Teal independents are a more centrist uh, <laughs> centrist policies, which which suits the electorates that they stand in, which are traditionally liberal electorates. Yeah. Um, but you know, in policy terms, you don't see that much. Dif- well, in terms of things like bikes and and carbon dioxide emissions and climate change and integrity and so on, they have pretty similar policies to the Greens. Um, um, they do, and they uh, get support from that millennial group yeah, that you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, look, the one the only one other comment is I was watching. Um, the ABC uh, election night. And I'm bringing up this the boomer question because Anthony Green made a comment at one stage. Um, I'm not too sure whether what seat they were talking about. It seemed it was quite a patronising comment, actually. He said, actually, look, he was talking about millennials, saying, yes, this is a different age group. And he said at some stage... Green voters seem to 
take their preferences seriously and vote accordingly. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, of course people, well, you know, yes, people take preferences very seriously. Some people do. But he was, well, and I mean, I found it peculiar that here as an election analyst, surprised that a group of people voting politically would actually tactically work out how to do that properly. Mm, that is new. I think, you know, one of the reasons for that is that p- people don't, and there's the, these very witty things people have been saying about, you know, the electors of Victoria uh, rejected the Herald Sun in droves. Yeah. Um, you know, they the, the, the old media is going on the way out and people are getting their information from much more varied sources and discussion of preferences was never in the old media, but it's there in social media. Yeah. It's there in the new media. Yeah. And look, a lot of people are, aren't awake to the idea of tactical voting. I mean, the liberal blunder of preferencing the Greens in front of Labor just speaks volumes for the whole thing. But we, we could pick a lot of holes in this. Nick, good to have you back on the show. Thanks, Val. Um, Yarra Bug, I mean, not Yarra Bug, Melbourne Bug is active as always. Um, and um, we're coming up next. I think we're just going to automatic. So that's it for um, us. Chris will be here next week. Faith will be back and before Christmas. And we will see you then. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.